Welcome into the Rock Talk Studio, the podcast where we dissect, analyze, and discuss the world of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. Today we're going to be taking a look at the documentary Traveling Band, Credence Clearwater Revival at the Royal Albert Hall. Is this documentary worth your time and money? Well, within the next 15 minutes of this rock and roll conversation, we'll definitely answer that question. And I promise to deliver it to you with all the passion of a Grateful Dead pre-show parking lot. And if you know, you know. And if you don't, well, you missed out on a lot of good times. I'm your host, Big Rick. Let's plug in. So here's how the show is set up. We have three main sets. In the first set, I'm going to review the doc, and then I'm going to stamp the official Rock Talk Studio rating on it. Second set, I take a look at what a true fan of CCR is going to get out of this documentary. And then we'll flip it around and, and look at, you know, is this worth it if you're just a casual fan? You know the hits, but you just a, you're not a super fan, but is this going to be worth your time if you're just a casual fan? Third set, I do my best to answer an impossible to answer rock and roll question. And then like every good rock and roll show, we've got an encore. Encore today will be about suggestion for continuing the story about Credence Clearwater Revival and John Fogarty. All right. Let's get into the review of Traveling Band. The documentary Traveling Band is, is split into two halves. The first half is kind of like hanging out with your buddies, pre-partying, listening to CCR. And then the second half, you're at the concert rocking out. The first half weaves concert footage into 40 minutes of, of a history, kind of leading up to this famous concert, the Royal Admiral Hall concert that was filmed in 1970. The show has kind of taken on some mystique due to the fact that the footage has never been seen before and that it's the only live footage of a whole Credence concert with the original band. So let's take a look at the first half of the show, more like uh, the history part of the show. It, it plays kind of like a 70s home movie. It had that feel to it with the band romping around England. Um, bass player Stu Cook drops a, a really great quote right in the beginning where he kind of sums up their feeling and the overall vibe of the time in London. He says, rock and roll after 15 years, something ha something's happening and it's going around the world now. I mean, this was 1970 when this was filmed and it was their first time overseas and their innocence was, was really exposed. And that quote kind of shows you where they were at with, hey, you know, rock and roll is really starting to happen here. This is something that's happening all over the world. The narration for the documentary was done by Jeff Bridges, and that was really cool. You get this kind of his, you know, his laid-back drawl accompanying the piece, and it adds to the '70s kind of hippie vibe. Though the band were, were far from from hippies, it was an interesting thing about the band is they were actually from Northern California, which makes all those songs about the Mississippi and the Bayou even more remarkable when you factor in that not one band member ever stepped foot in the South. The fast pace in which their history was laid out in the first half of the documentary it really works, and it doesn't bog down or even mention any of that personal drama that halted the band abruptly after its you know huge five years of success. You don't go, you don't get into any of the infighting or the lawsuits that came after uh, the band breaking up, and and hearing and seeing that the studio film of them recording like Susie Q or the Screaming Jay Hawkins cover, I put a spell on you, and it's like. Man, John Fogarty's voice, damn, that was he was so kick-ass. And then it all just stops because John got drafted into the service in, 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 around Vietnam. And after his discharge, the first song he wrote was Proud Mary. 
And then he wrote Born on the Bayou, and then Bad Moon Rising, and then Green River, and then Fortunate Son. And man, the hits just were nonstop. And that kind of catapulted them to getting the headlining slot of Saturday night at Woodstock, which led to their famous set where they, they took the stage at like 3 a.m. in the morning. So you get the buildup of their story, which was only 69 through 71. And that's another mind-blowing thing about this band. They had 14 consecutive top 10 singles during that time and five consecutive top 10 albums. And two of those albums, Green River and Cosmos Factory, went to number one. And they had the distinct honor of knocking the Beatles off the top of the charts. So after the history, you know, kind of sets the stage for this next um, part of the documentary, which is the Royal Albert Hall concert. And, you know, they were stepping on stage where legends were made. And it was pretty daunting to the band. I mean, they were at the top of their game with the charts, with the songs, with the hits, but they're now on the home turf of like Zeppelin and the Stones and the Beatles. They're walking into Royal Albert Hall and trying to perform at that level. And another thing that they were up against was the night of the first show, they did two shows, was the day the Beatles officially broke up. So that put a lot of strain on the band, but it just doesn't seem to affect them. I mean, they were just kind of this band that would just go out and, and, and nail it. And the concert is no frills. Just like the band. I mean, they not only run through their hits, but there's also a few covers. And then they end with like a six-minute uh, jam on Keep On Chuglin'. There was no encore, which was their trademark. And like their career, that only lasted four to five years, it was done. With one hour and 26 minutes, you get a nice run-through of the band's history and one of their last concerts. And that's our review of Traveling Band, Credence Clearwater Revival, at Royal Albert Hall. Now's the time where I'm going to take a look at rating the documentary and see where that lands, see if we're going to recommend this at all. Have a question, a different opinion? Hey, who doesn't? We're talking rock and roll here. Shout out to me, Big Rick, at info at rocktalkstudio.com. Or you can visit the website to see the past shows that we've done. You can find that at rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com. Now it's time to stamp the official Rock Talk Studio rating on Traveling Band, the Credence Clearwater Revival documentary. And here's how we set up the rating system. A one is front row, doesn't get any better. A two, load seats, good view, not bad, still recommended documentary. And three, you're in the nosebleeds, baby. Credence Clearwater Revival Traveling Band is a two. Load seats, good view, good time, half dock, half concert. It makes for a worthwhile view, so I would definitely recommend this CCR documentary. Next set is True Fan vs. Casual Fan. Who comes out on top? We'll let you know. Let's jump into our second set now. And in the second set, we go even further with breaking down the documentary. We want to see if it plays for a true fan of Creedence. And then we'll flip it around and see if, you know, if you're just a casual fan, is this going to uh, be worth your time? Are you going to enjoy it? And is it worth investing in? So let's start with a true fan. So a true fan, you're going to get really great personal footage, especially since there really isn't a lot out there on this band. 
It's very well, well put together. Uh, the Jeff Bridges narration really fits. And then the 40 plus minutes of never before seen concert footage is kind of a, a must see for fans. I think this is kind of, uh, a historical piece because of the significance of the show. And because there's not a lot out there, the only concert that has uh, the full concert with a, with a, with the original lineup for a true fan, it's, it's almost a must see. What about a casual fan? Is this going to be enough for a casual fan? And I think you're going to get uh, a great reminder of how many great songs John Fogarty wrote in a very small amount of time. And because, you know, there are no frills live band, the concert might be a little boring for a casual fan. If you're into the nostalgia, you might be able to sit through the whole live show. But if you want to want to see a great over-the-top rock and roll show, this is not what you're going to get here. All right, so let's talk a little bit before we jump on into our third and final set about what I've been reading, what I've been watching, and what's coming up in the next couple of shows. The next show is going to be the Matt Sorum book, the drummer for the cult. He drummed for Guns N' Roses. He drummed for uh, Velvet Revolver. That book is a sex, drugs, rock and roll debauchery craziness going on in that book. I can't wait to talk about that. And then the Mary McCartney, Paul's daughter documentary I just watched the other night, If These Walls Could Sing, about Abbey Road Studios. That was pretty cool. Uh, the Bono book I'm almost done with, and I'm just starting the Brian Johnson from ACDC book. So that's going to be coming up in our next couple of shows. And like always, you can find out our past episodes at rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com. All right, we'll head to the third and final set. And in that set, we're going to ask and hopefully answer an impossible to answer rock and roll question. All right, it's time for the impossible question. Now, first of all, know that the impossible question, it has no definitive answer. There's no answer for this. It's impossible to answer. The reason why I come up with them is it's just a different way to look at an artist, a different scenario, a what-if kind of thing. And it's just a, just a way to throw around a weird rock and roll possibility. And today's questions is a pretty good possibility because John Fogarty left Credence in 72 is when they broke up. So we need to find a band for John to get into because he was silent for way too long. And the band I picked out is unfortunately coming off of probably one of the worst moments in rock and roll, and that's 1975, Leonard Skinner Plane Crash. And I love the Rosin and Collins band, the band that came after when Skinner kind of kind of got back on their feet and went back out there with Dale Krantz singing, Gary Rosington's, uh, not at that time, wife. But that was one of the most emotional shows I've, I've ever seen when they came out on stage. I mean, there was... There was tears in their eyes. There was tears in the audience's eyes. It was powerful to see the Rosin and Collins band. But let's stick John Fogarty in that band in 1975. And, and I, could, I could definitely hear John doing some of that Street Survivor material, that last album they did, you know, like, What's Your Name? You Got That Right? That Spell. And then even those Skinner classics. I mean, he would be perfect for like Simple Man, Saturday Night Special. I think it would be a great, great fit vocally. And even better, I, I think it would have led to the revival of, of John's songwriting career and maybe even pushed the band past the tragedy and back into the, to the spotlight before they kind of regained it again on the reunion tour when uh, Ronnie Van Zant's brother started singing for them. John Fogarty and the Leonard Skinner Band. And that's why it's the impossible question. It's fun to ponder, impossible to answer. 
What happens when you follow or subscribe to the Rock Talk Studio or even leave me a five-star review? Well, the reason why I do this is because I love rock and roll. I love talking about rock and roll. And I want the art form, the conversation about it, and the music to live on through it. As the makers of the music we love start to head to the final chapters of their lives, I think it's important to honor them and keep celebrating the music that was made during these classic rock and roll years. So hit that subscribe button, join this community, and know any support is really, really appreciated. More importantly, send me an email. If Send me a suggestion, send me a complaint, send me anything you want to talk about rock and roll. That's what I love the most, and that's info at rocktalkstudio.com. All right, here we go. Final set, the show's Encore. And the Encore is uh, just an extra something I dug around and found that I would recommend. If you like what you've heard so far, here's just one more thing in the Encore you need to hear, see, or read about our featured artist, Creedence Crewwater Revival. And I'm going to kind of diverge a little bit and go, this is a little bit more about John Fogarty, because there really wasn't that much about the band that I'm going to suggest, because I think the Fogarty book is is the next step here. 2015 autobiography, Fortunate Son of John Fogarty. It takes you through his whole life, and it's the next step of his songwriting career and the life after the Royal Albert Hall concert. It's a good read. You know, it's it might be time to do a reread and and do a show on that one. Thanks for tuning in. Love talking rock and roll and appreciate anyone who takes a few minutes out of their day to enjoy the ride with me. Remember, you can find other and future episodes at rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com. All right, tear it down, pack it up and head on down the road. We'll see you next time in the Rock Talk Studio.